So what we've been talking about um, is absolutely live entertainment's role in producing these independent tours. I'd love to have you talk more about how you guys approach producing festivals and in particular sort of how you got started with Flyhoppers and Newport and maybe what some of the differences are between doing both of those events. Well, the Flyhopper Saratoga Jazz Festival, which takes place at the end of every June, has been going on since 1978. And George Wayne and the late Herb Chesbro, who was the president of Saratoga Performing Arts Center, made a deal, handshake deal, really. It was never a contract, um, to start the jazz festival in 78. And it was, it has always been an extremely successful and really fantastic festival. And, um, I started working for George in 90 and started going up to Saratoga in 91. I was actually a bus monitor, an artist bus monitor. Years ago, a lot of the artists would actually come up together on a bus that the festival provided to them. They would meet early in the morning at the West 74th Street offices of festival productions. They would all go up to Saratoga together, be there all day, and then come home at night. And so in June of 91, I had the opportunity to, to be that person. So I actually slept in the office on a couch in George's office that Friday night, got up really early Saturday morning, uh, went out and got coffee and juice and bagels and donuts and stuff like that. And all these artists somehow found their way over to the festival offices that early morning. We took the bus up. We were at the festival all day. Uh, we came back at night. I did it again the next day and came back, and uh, it was amazing. And it was just a beautiful experience to be at that festival and to see what was going on. I had been to SPAC as a patron when I was younger, and it's just a beautiful 5,200-seat amphitheater on New York State Park property, and it's celebrating its 50th anniversary in 2016. And it's a really, really special place. So I started working on that festival quite a lot during those years. And then um, – for the uh, 99 festival, starting with the 1999 festival, George's artistic director, Marie St. Louis, who had been with him since the 60s, had passed away. And he asked me to book, among many other festivals, the Saratoga Festival. So I started booking the Saratoga Festival in 99 and have done it ever since. Um, when George sold festival productions, SPAC told the new owners that they had no intention of working with them, that they didn't know who they were. They didn't have a, uh, any type of contract with George that, that they were locked into. And one thing led to another, and they came to me. Um, there was a bit of a, a process there, a transitional year, where we kind of oddly all worked together. But then I signed an agreement to be a full-fledged partner with Saratoga Performing Arts Center, um, starting with the 09 Festival. And I've been a partner ever since. So I've worked on it now for most of the last 25 years. I've been booking it since 1999, and I'm a full-fledged partner um, since 2009. And it's an incredible festival. I mean, we do a lot of different types of music, and we have a great and very dedicated fan base. Um, you know, it's something now, I think, in its 38th year, and is is going very strong and I'm very proud, you know, to be a part of it. It's a huge part of my business, both uh financially and just logistically, um, to to uh be able to, you know, do the things that I'm doing uh with Saratoga in terms of booking, you know, artists of many different styles, many different genres of music, 
And, uh, you know, it's very important for me to work with those agents and, and artists and managers. Uh, the cool thing about Saratoga for me as a business person is that I have this incredible apartment. And the Saratoga Performing Arts Center is, is, a, is a venue that is one of the premier summer music venues in, in the world. They do the Philadelphia Orchestra. They do um, the New York City Ballet and other ballet companies. They do the Lake George Opera House Company and, and a number of other things. And a lot of big rock concerts, big, a lot of Live Nation rock concerts. And so they are very busy in they have a full staff there. They are um, incredibly, uh, you know, uh, set up to have security and stagehands and ushers and box office staff, and they have a whole financial department. So they handle all of their, you know, the finances and all of the staffing and all of that stuff in-house. And I booked the festival, and my team, Tracy Reed, who's my associate, who's been with me for a long time and who worked for me with me at Festival Productions for a long time, we do all the artist bookings, we do all the artist contracts, we do all the backstage coordination with the artists, the ground transportation, the catering, you know, those types of things, hospitality in the dressing rooms. Um, I bring up a team of independent um, uh, freelance people to do the stage managing and the stage production and, and sound and lights and backline. And we work together with SPAC and SPAC handles, you know, all of the finances, they pay the artists the deposits and do all those things. So, you know, it's very nice and, and very clean in so many ways. My role in Newport is very similar, but in a legal way and in a business way, extremely different. Um, when George sold, festival productions, he retained the rights uh, and he leased the rights to the new owners for the trademarks that he created of Newport Jazz and Newport Folk. And when those guys went out of business, George still owned the Newport Jazz and Newport Folk trademarks. So he, at that point, who, and at that time was in the mid-80s, I mean, now he's almost 90, um, decided that he was going to keep the Newport Jazz Festival and Newport Folk Festivals alive. So he went to the Rhode Island State Parks Department, which owns and manages Fort Adams State Park, which is where the two festivals take place. He told them what was going on. They agreed to continue to work with him. He put up a lot of his own money and got uh, some, some investment from some friends, really, some, you know, just, just supporters. They were really even investment. It was just like financial support from friends to keep folk and jazz alive, and he did. And then soon after that, a year or two after, George decided to create the Newport Festivals Foundation, which is a 501c3 non-for-profit organization that owns the Newport Folk and Newport Jazz Festivals. And he's doing that because he wants to make sure that these festivals continue after he passes on. He's created a board of directors of a number of great friends of his and colleagues and associates who are extremely supportive. He's put up a lot of his own money. They've put up a lot of money. We've raised a lot of money. And we're trying really hard to build up this endowment so that the Newport Folk and Newport Jazz Festivals have a life, a long life going forward. And so when he did all of that in his mid-80s, he called me and he said, look, I would like you to come back to Newport and help me. I said, well, what do you want from me? You know, I own my own business. I have a lot going on and I would love to do this, but I own my own business. And he said, no, I want you to work with us as a freelance 
you know, producer. I want you to be the associate producer of the jazz festival. I want you to book all the artists and help me, you know, keep this thing going. And so I have a contract with the Newport Festival Foundation to be the associate producer of the Newport Jazz Festival. But I'm working as an independent. The contract is, you know, run through absolutely live for my services. And so I do a lot of the same work, but the relationship is different. I In Saratoga, I'm a full-fledged partner. In Newport, I am a paid freelance producer. Um, you know, but my role is really very similar. I mean, I'm totally engaged and totally involved with both festivals in a very big way. And, um, you know, it's just a tremendous amount of work. And Newport is such a different animal because at Newport we have to build site. So we work at Fort Adams State Park, which is really just this incredible piece of land that juts out into the water in Newport Harbor, whereas in, in Saratoga we have a, a, a facility there. We have a stage and we have seats and we have fencing and we have a box office and we have restrooms and we have food court and you know, everything that a proper venue should have. In Newport, there's nothing there. So I'm also really involved with the whole process of planning, you know, how that's all going to happen. And we have a great site manager named Tim Tobin and a great team of people and my colleagues who, you know, produce the folk festival. We all work together to, uh, to literally build the site and host those two festivals over the weekend. Right. I love how you described the differences between each festival as it relates to your own company. And that kind of goes back to what we were talking about originally when you started the company. It's really, it's a great thing that you've got that flexibility that you can do both of these. Cause as you said, they're very different. And, and I would imagine that's one of the great, you know, greater rewards, certainly risk and reward um, that you experience running absolutely live entertainment. Yeah. I would say that, you know, as an independent, you know, proprietor of, you know, that I really can do whatever I want. You know, I obviously have to keep the business going, pay myself and all the expenses that, that go into running the business. So you want to try to maximize your revenues and to, um, you know, earn as much money as you can with the time that you have. Uh, going back to what we talked about earlier with opportunity costs, you know, it's not easy. Um, I, you know, I, Newport pays me well. Is I don't know if, you know, it's, the best thing for me to be doing with my time, you know, every single day in terms of what they're paying me, but I do feel that I'm getting paid well. And I do think that it's very important for me, you know, to be involved with Newport. I mean, it's an iconic event and it certainly is important, you know, in that sense for absolutely live and Danny Melnick to be, you know, to be there. I've really, this is sort of my third go around with Newport because I worked for George for about six years I left. I, I was a booking agent at the Ted Carlin's Associates for a couple of years in the mid-90s and then went back to Festival Productions until George sold the company, and then he asked me to come back yet again. So it's something that I'm extremely proud of and, you know, something that I really love to do and something that I'm very good at and something that I think makes sense for my business. Um, you know, it is a monthly paycheck, which is fantastic to have for, for a business like mine. But it is an interesting thing, too, because that whole situation for me is all about the relationships. It's all about the fact that even though I left the company as George was selling it and he wasn't thrilled about it, he, he never, you know, held it against me. And he, you know, at the end of the day was very encouraging. He was, I think he's been very proud, quite frankly, that, you know, that I've been able to succeed and he had enough, uh, you know, positive thoughts about me to call me up and ask me to come back. 
And so I never burned my bridge with him. And um, here I am, you know, back in Newport again. So it's a really great thing. And um, uh, I, I just think that uh, it's, it's just definitely, you know, a very important part of, of what we do. Right. Well, as you said, I mean, you know, it's, you're in the relationship business. You just kind of happen to be in the music industry. Um, just to go back to something you said at the very beginning of the sort of your your relationship with Fryhoffers or Saratoga for that matter, you talked about all these artists in the early 90s coming to Georgia's office and assembling and then riding up together. I mean, it would be hard-pressed to believe if anything like that happens nowadays, right? I mean, everybody tries to get there on their own, or they have to get there on their own and everything like that. During those years, was there, you know, especially on those bus rides, I'm just kind of curious. I mean, was there anything, you know, you've got this cross-mixing of all these great artists. Did anything come of that? Or, I don't know, it's really just my own curiosity that's wondering. Well, you're right in the fact that those that, that whole bus thing is over for one reason or another you know there was there was a long period of time i think you know before my time like in the late 70s and 80s where that happened and then into the 90s and then sort of mid to late 90s it kind of just ended you know the artists were all um you know getting to the festival on their own they might have been touring more and coming from somewhere else they might have been um you know more people are driving and uh different generation of musicians were coming up and you know have kids and stuff like that and they're driving and so it's just really changed has changed a lot and the whole necessity of the bus went away and the, the other thing about it was that the bus you know the artists would have to get up really early in the morning <clears throat> they'd have to get to the office they'd have to sit on that bus play at whatever hour they were playing at and wait all day until nighttime to go back because they were reliant upon this one particular mode of transportation so it really wasn't you know it was convenient to a point but maybe not, you know, the most convenient situation. And people nowadays are running all over the place much more quickly. And I think we, we don't have as much patience as we used to. So, uh, you know, they're all just, yeah. But I would say that the thing about that experience on the bus and about, you know, it's re- it was really all about storytelling. It was, it was really all about, you know, whoever was awake and not everybody was awake. Um, it was just all about storytelling, all about hearing stories about the road, all about, you know, hearing stories about, you know, different pe- things that, that happened when different people played with other people. And in those days, you know, we had a generation of artists who were all coming up and playing in the jazz messengers. And they were playing with, um, you know, with Art Blakey and Miles Davis and Betty Carter and, you know, all these other amazing legendary artists and Dizzy Gillespie. And so that was there was a lot of that type of, you know, storytelling going on about, you know, the, the, the prior generation of legends who were all leaders. And uh, at that time, a lot of them were still alive. And, you know, we were coming up with a lot of the other musicians. So it was really uh, a very fun, you know, time for sure. But I do remember, uh, you know, there was sort of like the sleeping section and the awake section of the class. Right, right. Well, it's it's a really interesting piece of history, so I'm glad that you talked about that. Um well, let's see here. I mean, uh, I don't want to take up too much of our time. What are a few things you're most excited about for the 15-16 presenting season before we sort of have to wrap up here? Well, um, you know, we have the Saratoga Festival in June, and Newport is, is coming in August, and we're, you know, super excited about those two, of course. And uh, you mentioned in your introduction, you know, I do manage Rudrash Mahatapa, and he's extremely busy right now. He has uh, this amazing... 
record out a Charlie Parker project, but it's all original compositions based on Charlie Parker solos and uh, songs. And he's playing a lot of festivals in 15, and um, we're working, just trying to finish up a European tour. The fall of 15, he's got dates already booked in 16. Um, so there's a lot going on with him. And um, we have the Zankel Hall Jazz Series at Carnegie Hall, which is really cool. I've, I've been able to book that series now since the beginning, which was uh, maybe 13 or 14 years ago. Um, and uh, we have a lot of beautiful concerts you know, that are going to happen there. I've also been working as a consultant with the Rubin Museum of Art in New York City, booking some shows for them. And, you know, we might do a number of our own concerts, you know, here and there throughout the year. We don't do a lot of that. Obviously, it's a very risky proposition, but, you know, when things come up, um, you know, we'll do that. And, and some new, newer, you know, discussions, too. So there's, there's always uh, talk about some new projects coming up next year. And we are doing a Monterey tour in 16 also, so... Um, you know, things are, are definitely looking good. Absolutely, yeah, very, very busy. I really appreciate everything you've talked about today, and um, I know that, as you mentioned, the festivals are right around the corner, and no doubt it's a very busy time. So, again, thank you for being uh, here today to do this, and I can't thank you enough. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Take care. All right, take care. <laughs> 